0: It is really hard to believe that it has been 13 years, 13 years since Bishop Moncure appointed Mickey and me to a a ministry setting away from Spring Valley. And I hope you know that when we left in June of 2005, we took a major part of Spring Valley with us in our hearts but I was privileged to take more than that no I didn't take anything out of the offering plate (laughs) I didn't take any furniture out of the office no no none of that what I did take was this thanks to the confirmation class of spring 2005, thanks to the ingenuity and the seamstress artistry of artistry of Diane Cronenberg, I took this stole. For the next 12 years, this stole, which the youth and Diane made, was in the opening procession and the ordination procession of annual conference as a member of the bishop's cabinet. The name of every one of those youth is embroidered on a flame, on a Pentecostal flame, on this stove. It was my sacred honor and privilege not only to wear it and remember the gift that Spring Valley was to us, but to remember the gift to the faith and the church, indeed to the world, that these young people would be. Because of their loving mentors here, like Diane. So for all of the things that flood our hearts and minds as we come back today, on behalf of Mickey and myself, I simply want to say thank you. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. But some poor old drunks do sell their food stamps to buy cheap wine. That's a fact. It could indeed serve as our theme for today that some poor old drunks do indeed sell their food stamps and buy cheap wine. But, friends, I think that alongside that reality check, we have to place our gospel lesson for this the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. For the reading is not simply a bit of history about Jesus and the Twelve. No, it is about much more. It is a word to Mark's church and to the church of all future generations. For the gospel makes it clear that the work of Jesus is to continue. It is to continue in urgency and in incarnation. For that purpose, the church was called and sent. For that work, Jesus granted his power and his word that marked his own ministry. That is our inheritance. That is our call. That is our commission. That's what these students began to understand. The word and the power of the ministry of Jesus Christ is ours in all of its urgency. Indeed, in its very incarnation. Now, it doesn't take a very remarkable sleuth to discover that there is often a discrepancy, if not an outright chasm, between the mind and ministry of Jesus and the work and witness of the church. But why? Jesus has given us His Word and His power. Why this lack, then, of Conviction and courage, I think we might begin an answer by acknowledging that the reason is probably not so much intentional as it is intuitional. What I mean by that is that we do not often consciously decide to abdicate the word and power of our Christly inheritance. Rather, we just become so accustomed to the negativism and the cynicism of the world around us that we intuitively feel, nah, what's the use? It literally pains me to recognize that today, today except for rare moments or occasional commitments, acquiescence to the negativity all around us quickly becomes the intuitional hallmark of our own lives. In spite of our Christian convictions, we slip into negativity. There's reason for that, I know, I know. Some years ago a church in Southern California sponsored some refugees who ended up cheating the church out of a rather sizable amount of money and household goods. And some members of that congregation quite naturally were incensed, ready to abandon all their service to refugees. Oh, what's the use? They might very well have said. And you and I know that that is neither a solely historical nor widely isolated illustration. Still, foodstuffs do not reach their intended recipients in hunger-ravaged countries because governments are more concerned with saving face than saving people. And we get those reports and intuitively we just feel, oh, what's the use? I happen to believe that the vast majority of people benefiting from various forms of public assistance today need that help. That they're old, they're children, they're disabled, they're unskilled. They're caught in cycles of generational poverty that you and I try as we might, cannot fully understand. But the truth is, some of them are on the take. Some of them are cheating. Some do fake their injuries. Some do sell their food stamps and squander their money and buy things destructive to their lives. And so it's natural that we might begin to feel, well, what is the use? You see, it's not, it is not that we are consciously callous. It's not that we are intentionally insensitive. But when we are bombarded all the time with stories about the failure of our good efforts, with stories about the rejection of our caring concerns, stories about the lack of response to our ministries, The negative and cynical, oh, what's the use attitude begins to invade our emotions and limit our horizons and cause us to abdicate the word and the power that we inherited from Christ Himself as His church. Yes, it happens to us as individuals, it happens to us as the church. It happens to us as a nation, even when we claim to be one under God. That's why I say we need to listen to this gospel lesson. We need to hear this gospel lesson appointed in the lectionary to be read this very day. Because Mark tells us that when they met with rejection and refusal, disciples were given a very specific strategy. Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet, but go on. Go on. That was the strategy. Indeed, the witness of our Christ is that service in God's name is not based on right response. When Jesus commissioned the twelve, he did not assign them to go to just the nice or to just the appreciative. He sent them into all the world To encounter all types of response. He was no romantic about the human condition. He had been around long enough to know that not everyone is nice. And not everyone is appreciative. Not everyone is gracious. Not everyone is honest. Not everyone is sharing. It was as if Jesus was saying, you're going to run into those folks. You're going to run into those folks who are out to cheat the system. You're going to run into those folks who take you or another for all they can get. You're going to run into those folks who refuse ministry of reconciliation, who reject the model of the suffering servant. But I'm telling you to be careful. To be careful that you don't begin to classify or thingify them. Because once you make of people a category or a thing, it's very easy for well-intentioned religious people to end up with selective service, selecting to serve only the appreciative, only the ones who agree with us, only the ones with whom we are comfortable. Beloved, as soon as we begin to label all the poor as lazy, all the refugees as terrorists, all the LGBT folks as abnormal, all the other cultures as enemies, then we begin to make things of them. And without our even consciously being aware, it becomes so easy for us to overlook those individuals who also were created in the very image of God. And we may very well end up intuitively ignoring them. Because after all, what's the use? They wouldn't respond in gratitude anyway. Now without ever naming it or perhaps even realizing it, we much prefer to live in Camelot. For the rain may never fall till after sundown. By 8 in the morning, the morning fog must disappear. The snow must never slush upon the hillside. By 9 p.m., the moonlight must appear. But dear friends, Eden is no more. And Camelot never was. But you and I are still called to live and to love in an imperfect world where the poor are not perfect and neither are the rich. Where the needy are not always nice and neither are the wealthy. Where some poor old drunks do sell their food stamps for cheap wine. And so, beloved, I believe that we must We must listen for God's Word in order to recover the power for our work and our witness. Does it have to be different than it has been in the past? Yes. Do we need economy of scale and all those other things that make our compassion more effective in the lives of persons? Yes. But we must always see that service is not based on the right response of the other. It is based solely for Christians. On the love of God. The love of God shown to us. The love of God now waiting to be operated through us. Philosopher Descartes once said famously, I think, therefore I am. William Sloan Coffin great preacher of Riverside Church in New York City, said to that, Nonsense. I love, therefore I am. And he goes on with these words. In these hard and uncertain times, in a world so full as always of busy sinners and lazy saints, we are as we love. Love is the name of our journey. It is love that measures our stature. There is no smaller package in all the world than that of a person all wrapped up in himself. Deny it, stifle it, still it lives, this love, in each and every one of us as a tiny spark that will not one of the gifts I hoped for at Christmas I received. I didn't have a chance to read it until this summer. But I've been reading the biography of a late United States Senator that has both challenged my mind and captivated my heart. And here's why. In one particular chapter, the author tells of a time in 1967, I know I'm not the only one who remembers 1967, when four senators traveled south to study the effects of a local policy requiring indigent families applying for food stamps to make cash payments. Reports had reached Washington that too many hungry families could not afford to buy them. And so the senators decided they need to go see for themselves. They needed to know the truth. So the book reads, At a stop in one household, a young boy shocked the senators by telling them his diet consisted only of molasses. I've been to third world countries, one senator confided to his aide. And I've never seen anything like this. The next house at which they stopped belonged to a woman with seven children. Roaches were everywhere. A toddler playing on the filthy floor was covered in sores. His stomach distended. The senator sat down and stroked the boy's cheek. My God, I didn't know this kind of thing existed. How can we allow it? Maybe people just don't know. And when he talked to the child, and the child was unable unable to respond, the grown man began to cry. Returning home, standing at the doorway of his family dining room, the senator now saw through a different prism, the familiar sight of his wife and children around the table. His wife described his response. He was so passionate, and he was shaking, saying, Do you know? Do you know how lucky you are? And he just kept repeating it. The introduction to that chapter highlighted an excerpt from a speech the senator had given a year before. When I read it, I heard echoes of today's gospel reading from Mark, the very calling and commissioning of the Twelve by Jesus. It's very brief. I'm going to read it. I invite you to listen with your ears and with your souls. He said, It is from a numberless, diverse acts of courage and belief that human history is shaped. Each time a person stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, that one sends forth a tiny ripple of hope. And crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current A current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. Beloved, Mark tells us, Jesus calls us. Just as Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out and gave them authority, so they went out and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. And what was it William Swan Coffin said? In these hard and uncertain times, in a world so full as always of busy sinners and lazy saints, we are as we love. Love is the name of our journey. It is love that measures our stature. Beloved, he still calls us, this one we call Jesus, he still sends us out, this one we call our Christ. And through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, his commission is now ours to carry on in urgency and in incarnation. Through the power of the relentless grace of God. May it be so. Amen.